Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 111 of Yogaland. It's also episode five of our summer series. And as you'll hear me say when I start talking to Jason, yay, Jason's on. I want like a little backtrack back. What am I looking for the word I'm looking for? Background sound of like clapping that cheers that Jason's on. You'll hear me talk about the fact that in hindsight, I could have done this episode first editorially as an editor always editing myself. It's pretty annoying. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about these things. But this, I think, is a very foundational idea and episode when I think about what it means to create a sustainable practice. And it's based on two questions that we, well, I read two questions that we got from listeners, but we actually got several more iterations of these questions. And they basically are around the idea of a, how do I balance effort and surrender? What does that mean? And and what is that? How do I know when I've gone past the balance point? And then B, how do I really engage in progressing in my practice without overdoing it in my body structure? So as it sometimes does with my dear husband, it took me a little bit of convincing, I feel, in the beginning of this episode to get him on board <laughs> with directly answering these questions. But rest assured, by the end of the episode, he offers some really great, straightforward, direct answers. And I got to talk about Joel Kramer, which is always just, you know, I don't know, makes me happy. I haven't thought about Joel Kramer in a long time, but he is a very influential person on all of us, whether you know who he is or not. He, um, I think he really had a a giant impact on on modern yoga. And you'll learn more about that in this episode. One more quick thing. I just want to reiterate that we are trying to use the English translations of the poses more. I think I forgot in this episode, yogi nidrasana I refer to, which is basically when you lie back and you put both legs behind your head. I think the translation is sleeping yogi pose. This is why sometimes I don't offer the translation because I don't always have it right at the tip of my my mind at the time. But I'm working on something to try to help you all that I can put on the blog. Might take me some time, so I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. So it's funny, we, we're doing our summer series on building a sustainable practice. Yeah. And we're, we kind of are backing into it because I feel like this is I feel like this is going to be the foundational episode of this series. Great. Let's just throw it randomly in the middle. As an editor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it doesn't all work out exactly as planned every time. Progress isn't linear. That's potentially true. Nor are conversations. Yes. Necessarily. So what I'd like to do to begin is to read two questions that I think are similar that came from listeners that kind of to me, inspired the whole series. So the first one comes from Stacy. She says, I'm really new to yoga. I started at the age of 50, less than two years ago, and I've loved learning, progressing, and watching my body open up. As I've been progressing, I'm certain I've crossed the line of finding that edge of effort and ease into too much effort. So far, it's helping me progress. 
I'm definitely working on breathing and trying to let go more in my practice, but my default is to try and push. So my struggle is how to find this magical balance. And then a similar question came in from Kelly and she said she's struggling with recognizing actual structural limitations of my body as in if I push harder, I may actually break myself because I'm physically not capable of doing X. And she says, finding the balance between that and just quote unquote, doing what feels good in my body. You know why we didn't start with this stuff? Because it's complicated. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. You read two questions, but the second question sort of has multiple questions. And I don't anticipate giving like a black and white, clear answer about anything. It's not like when people talk about how to reach the arms overhead and what happens with the scapula and so forth and so on. It's uh, when you're dealing with degree, you're dealing with something that is by nature a little hard to define. Yes. I think also, though, I, I mean, the reason I'm putting this out there as part of an episode is number one, because those aren't the only two questions that were worded almost exactly the same. Sure. Balancing effort and surrender. How do I, why am I pushing so much? How do I know how to push so much and when to back off? Right. How do I know how to progress? You don't, (laughs) you know, like you don't. So let's sort of step back and sort of see like, where, where does this whole idea of balancing effort and relaxation come from? Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's sort of, it's so steeped into the yoga world. It's even steeped in the yoga world in yoga, uh, contemporary yoga traditions that are ridiculously hard. You know what I mean? This might be something that in my hardest vinyasa flow class, it's a heated room. And I try to remember to make people not work too hard, mm-hmm. even though they're implicitly doing a really difficult thing. So the lore and the advice, which is really good advice, comes from Patanjali mm-hmm. in one of their very few aphorisms that he provides about Asana, mm-hmm. right? So Sukham Shtiram Asana, uh, posture should have the dual qualities of effort and relaxation. The more I spend time with this thought, the more I I try not to overthink it. The more I think he's just advising, like so many people do, for moderation. Mm-hmm. Really, he's just asking for moderation and consistency, Right. And so I don't necessarily even see it as a balance of opposites, like either you're working hard or you're relaxing and there's some magical unicorn place in between those two. Mm. I think really what he's asking for is he's asking for consistency and moderation over time, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think we want to step back and realize that intensity can be very difficult to gauge. And I think that all of us, and not all of us, but most of us in a group context are going to be fairly motivated to effort mm-hmm. a little bit more. So I think it's it's totally normal that she brings up that her default is to over is to overwork. Um well Georg used to say it's better to have like when we he would talk about the gunas. So there's like Rajas, which would be the sort of effortful student. Sure. Tamas, like a Tamasic student would be sort of a slothful student. And Sattva is that magical balance. And he always said it's always better to have too much Rajas than too much Tamas. Yeah, I think it's, you know, like, I I don't know. This is all, if I was in a different phase of my life, I might come down on it sort of, say, you know, be more easeful. But I think there, there really is something to be said about about being eager 
and not not overly eager, but about being willing to um, to really fully physically, mentally, and emotionally involve yourself in a process and finding that balance. I mean, I guess I'm sort of dancing around it because even I, I don't know. I don't know that I've been doing this for for 20 years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know, and there are going to be some very specific concrete takeaways that I provide. Maybe I'll just sort of start with that, which is one of the big things that has changed for me. And I can honestly say it's rare that I'm injuring myself in yoga anymore is that I am much more moderate when it comes to flexibility, range of motion stuff. I'm not really, I'm not staying for too long in poses anymore. And I'm not sort of repeating the same pose like Chaturanga too frequently anymore. And I also don't feel like I'm, I'm fighting too hard for one or two more degrees of motion in my poses. Like if we sort of think about a zone of sensation when we go into a stretch, I stay on the really mild side of that zone. Like I don't really try to go far or deep into a stretch anymore mm -hmm. um, because what I've noticed about my own personal injuries over the time is I'm much more likely to injure myself when I stay in or push the zone of stretch too much. So if I essentially just in a forward bend, side bend, back bend, twist, whatever it is, come up to, oh, okay, there's sensation, but I'm comfortable with it. I can breathe easily. I could probably go further, but if I went further, I might be coming up against maximum threshold. I'm not pushing that maximum threshold anymore, ever. But then what's, but I feel like you just totally contradicted yourself. Okay. Because so, you just said you would, it's good to be eager. It's good to be. Yeah. So you didn't let me, I'm not done. Okay. So when it comes to strength, when it comes to stabilization, when it comes to movement, I work harder than I used to work. Okay. So I will stay in. I will work myself to greater fatigue when it comes to the muscles that are contracting, but I'm not going as deep when it comes to the muscles that are stretching. So I'll give you an example, which is down dog. Okay. I'm happy to stay in down dog for a few minutes and work the arms, work the shoulders, work the core, forearm plank. I'm willing to stay in forearm plank until I'm quivering and shaking. Pigeon pose. I don't go that deep. I don't stay that long. Mm -hmm. So something that is a, so one of the things to think about is sort of the passive ranges of motion versus the active ranges of motion. Poses where I'm much more in, muscularly engaged and active in, I, I work as hard, if not harder than I've ever worked. Poses where it comes to mostly passive range of motion where you're using gravity and the leverage of the ground to increase range of motion. Those are the things that I'm much more, I don't want to say reluctant about, but I'm much more moderate with. So I'm not trying to increase my level, my range of motion with effort. I'm trying to increase my level of strength with effort. And so those are, those are very, for me, 
uh, those are pretty different things. And, you know, we all have different body types and I don't want to say this across the board, but I feel like a lot of my lower back issues, a lot of my SI joint issues, they're not presenting themselves because I'm no longer fighting inside my body for that extra two degrees of forward fold in Janna Shashasana. Mm-hmm. I'm coming right up to that first threshold of Janna Shashasana and just making peace with it. Mm-hmm. Just breathing, just watching, just observing and not sort of saying, oh, if I could just pull a little harder and go another two degrees, then I would be content with who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, does that, is that, does that yeah, a little bit I mean, more I clear? Think that I, I would guess that these people are specifically referring to getting into poses, right? Yes, when they I talk agree. about like, what are the structural limitations of my body or am I pushing too far? And so- So it's range of motion yeah, issues. Yeah. You know, um, and I agree with you. I mean, I don't, obviously no one has- one prescription for every person's body. Right. It just, just would make no sense whatsoever. Right. But for me, it brings up the issue, which is actually going to be a previous podcast. Um, it hasn't run yet, but which is the the issue of injury. We've talked about injury so much this year yeah, in like have. so many different ways. Yeah. And I don't know if I've said this, but I'm going to say it. And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying it. But it's my truth, which is that I was, I had a lot of injuries early on in my practice at an age where, you know, I should have been like the fittest and healthiest I was, which is like my late twenties. And I, I believe my injuries were caused by yoga. I was doing most, you know, mostly I was just doing yoga. And what I will say is that had I not had those injuries, I wouldn't have really been able to learn my limitations. A hundred percent. You know, which is so ironic. And so it's like, I'm not saying go out and injure yourself and like, you know, but it, but it's like, it's so different for every person's body and like your previous history and any trauma that was in your body and any, you know, what previous disciplines you had in your body that it's like, no one can tell you. No, You're just going to have to figure it out for yourself. And my wish for you is that you don't go through the injuries that I went through or worse injuries, you know, because mine were all really resolvable. But it is how I learned, like I knock on wood, like I don't I don't sustain injuries in, or any pain in yoga anymore because I know exactly yeah. how far is too far for me. And that's where, you know, I we, we are in 100% agreement with this. And I say it to teacher trainees all the time, you know, which is I do everything that I can do to mitigate existing injuries and minimize the potential for future injuries. I also think that, you know, I've been saying this a lot is I largely think that the issue around injuries has to do more so with sequencing than technique. Okay. So this is sort of a long conversation to have, but the reality is that yoga is not benign. And if you're going to learn anything about yourself you're going to do that through inquiry, through investigation. And when you do inquiry investigation, sometimes you're going to get a scratch mm-hmm, here and there, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I I feel like I've even said this on, on, a, on a podcast with you once before. This is a, like, I still remember this, like, I'm going to totally butcher it. And it's like some Viking poem that Rodney used to read, right? But it's something along the lines of if you, you know, if you want to find treasure, you have to be willing to look in the middle of the night and leave a blood of a drop of blood behind, 
you know, and it's just sort that of- That is like it, way over my head. <laughs> if oh, you want to find treasure- You have to be willing to look in the middle of the night. You have to be willing to go oh, to into the darkness. Oh, to fight for it? No, if you oh. want to look for treasure, you have to be willing to look into darkness. Okay. You have to be willing to go somewhere you don't know about. Uh-huh. And you have to be willing to leave a drop of blood behind, meaning you have to be willing to search for it. Okay, I just thought you know, I thought you have to blood meant fight for it. for it. Okay, search for it, effort, well, whatever it is. I'm not trying to be difficult. I know. Yeah, but the point, the point is, and again, I say it all the time. I don't want to be too cavalier, but I just don't believe in this mythical balance, this sort of unicorn of there is this place and its balance. And everyone can find it. And once you find it, it'll be like the land of a thousand stars and you'll be there forever and always. Like, I just don't believe in that, you know? And so I think that the place, the way that we do find our thresholds and our boundaries is we transgress them and we realize we don't get what we thought that we would get. You know what I mean? It's 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 pretty rare that we learn something the easy way, right? So Again, like you said, we're not advocating go out and and pay no attention to anything. But the reality is that this is a this is an inquiry. This is a deep search, and it makes sense to be moderate and consistent. At the same time, there's just going to be times where we learn through difficulty. We learn through a, a little bit of pain, and we realize that 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 pain was the information that we needed mm-hmm. to move forward and to not recreate it. Yeah. But again, I do I just quickly do want to go back this I feel like decreasing the effort around flexibility and increasing the effort around strength is a general is a general trend that may reduce some yoga specific injuries. Right. And that's what we're talking about here because we're talking about the injuries that are produced in yoga and minimizing them. Mm -hmm. Not the injuries that are produced in volleyball or the injuries (laughs) that are produced in motorcycle cross, right? We're talking about injuries that are produced in yoga, almost all of which are repetitive stress or overstretch injuries. So so that, that should tell us a lot of things, right? Is that the things that we're doing countless repetitions of let's do fewer of those things and more of their opposite in number two let's just be let's be really moderate when it comes to stretch intensity mm-hmm. 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 you know and and just again saying there's a zone there's a zone of of tolerable sensation when we're stretching our hip and pigeon for example and i will be the first person to say that I used to hold the end of that zone, the maximum of that zone. Now I stay in the minimum of that zone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just want to go back a little bit and say, and I I can't remember if you and I have ever said this on the podcast before, but I was listening to Jay Brown the other day and I was listening to him talk to Matthew Remsky and Matthew Remsky was talking about that so much of the issue with people getting injured in yoga in terms of people having a problem with it is that they don't expect it. And it's Fair it's so true. Fair it's enough. so true. Like Fair enough. if you go to an orthopedic doctor or if you go to your primary care physician or you go, it's always like, oh, go try some yoga. Oh, right. Go do yoga. It's sort of painted as this panacea. 
And, you know, it's easy to forget that this is a physical endeavor like anything else. Sure. So I just thought that was I thought that was a really good point. Yeah. And and also, you know, let, let's sort of step back. And, and I, I think this is an important to note, which is not doing yoga is way more dangerous for your body than doing yoga. Right. I fully believe that. I fully believe that. I think that not using your body consistently and thoroughly is a much greater risk than the risk of the potential of overdoing. I, I actually, I, I don't know that that's true. I believe that to be true. Yeah. Right. So the, the error of excess in, in the yoga world to me is a smaller risk than the error of insufficiency. Mm -hmm. Right. That being said, again, like not all sensations when you're doing yoga are equal sensations. The sensation of my right thigh in, I'm in warrior two, my right leg is forward. The sensation of my right thigh fatiguing from contraction and my back leg fatiguing from contraction and my arms fatiguing from contraction. That is to me a, a, uh, a more tolerable long-term sensation than my right outer hip going numb from having been in pigeon pose in a passive way for minutes on end, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? So again, it's not, it's not even that. Or even that slight hot searing you feel if you've gotten too far into the hamstring yeah. tendon. Nope. You know, so again, it's, it's, it's the overstretch, <laughs> the excess motion that for me in my body and for me as a yoga teacher, what I've anecdotally seen, and this isn't scientific, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like this is all anecdotal evidence. It's just that I've, I've seen a lot of evidence. This is where if I were to give advice to people, I would say, look, when you get into, when you, when you start to come up against a stretch, assume that that stretch is a gray area and you have sort of minimum stretch, moderate stretch, maximum stretch. I would say moderate is maximum. Yeah. I would say moderate is maximum. And the thing is too, is like, you know, like no one is going to get any greater benefit from staying at that max position over that moderate position. No one. Like to me, that that is an extreme point of diminishing return. Mm -hmm. That sort of moderate to maximum for me is it is diminishing return and it is a major increase in liability for the particular type of injuries that we have in this particular discipline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we, we're not having, it's pretty rare that we have a slip and fall or like a, like a, a traumatic injury. I, sh I shouldn't say that, but, but my point is like, it's not the kind of injury that an other athletic endeavor might be if, you know, you ran into someone at high, high speed. Yeah. It's, it's the overstretch stuff. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think I told you, I went back and reread Joel, one of Joel Kramer's. So Joel Kramer was really, uh, transformational just he, he yeah i mean he was the person who coined the phrase the edge yes working the edge in yep. a yoga pose you know he 
was very influential on Eric Schiffman and Eric Schiffman is very influential on so many of us. Can we put a link to? Yeah. Okay. Because he has a website. Um, actually, I've been wanting to get in touch with him. He still has his website up with like all of his old articles. Yeah. And so, so he wrote a very seminal article. Mm-hmm. For Yoga called, Journal, actually. For Yoga Journal called ago. Yoga as Transformation. Right. And a lot of the contemporary teachings around yoga can be directly related not that not the traditional teachings but the contemporary yeah. sensibilities yeah. can be traced to this article and the and the teachers that came from him and he's much of a less not not a very commercially known person because he was before his time right 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 and he's a wonderful person yeah. by the way i met him a couple times and he's yeah. he really like embodies his what he's always taught and so i went back and i reread that and i i was really I was really happy to read it because it really holds water. You know, after all these years, it's still like, to me, it it made me think again. It was, it's actually a bit dense, but my point is what, what he, what he brought up when he was talking about working the physical edge, this article that he wrote, isn't just about the physical edge. It's sort of like, it's mostly not. Why do we do yoga? We do yoga. And what he talks about is like, we do yoga seeking liberation. It's like very traditional moksha liberation and freedom. And so what does that mean? And so when he's talking about working your physical edge in asana, he's actually talking about using that as a means of exploring like freedom in your body. Psycho-emotional response to sensations. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's not talking about like, busting out of your structure and which I mean it is good for me to read that just to remind myself of that because I think the word edge is a little bit like I don't know it's a it's a little edgy (laughs) at this point for me but to remember like when he's talking about when exploring the edge it's really from a perspective of finding freedom in your body and in your body mind yeah and I'll, I'll even take it a step back, which is to say, when it comes to flexibility, I find my edge and then I take a step back. Me too. Now. You know, yeah. I just don't. There's nothing more for me to gain. Yeah, I'm same know? with me. Here's, this is important for our, our listeners, which is I'm not getting reduced outcomes. I'm getting improved outcomes. Okay. Because one of the biggest detriments that we have to in this practice is overstretch injuries. And one of the sort of smaller issue is oh, not even an overstretch injury, but the overstretch soreness that then impedes us in the following days. Okay. So what I actually find is that when I go to my, my, I'll say sort of sensory stretch threshold, where my first impulses get me out of here, I step a little bit back. And what I find is when I do this process consistently, which is consistently, this is how I've done my Austin practice for the last two years. Is that then when I step back, I'm not having that 24 hour delayed onset of 
symptom pain or soreness. Yeah. Like I used to be so sore Hmm. from all of the overstretching that I did. Backing off of that has been really huge. So again, I don't have less range of motion or less flexibility as a result of being content with 95 instead of 96. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I have the same exact experience. Because because if I had... And we have very two different body types, which is interesting. Because if I did have decreased outcomes, I would... I would stop doing the way that I'm doing it. Right. But I have increased outcomes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not having the same injuries that I used to have. I'm not having the same whatever soreness that's impeding me. Mm -hmm. My body just works in a much more functional and complete way. And I even like, you know, to sort of a little bit of a step is my students in my public classes, you know, I essentially do one third of the chaturangas in my flow classes than I used to. And I make that up with other vinyasa motions like surprise. There are many things you can do to flow other than another chaturang and up dog. So what I'm finding is students are not less strong. Hmm. They're not less. And they're less, not less open. No. Yeah. Like that's preposterous. Yeah. Like the idea that you get strong by just doing more and more and more of the same thing is like it's ludicrous. You know what I mean? But I think we do it because because we're following a neurotic impulse. Well, we're also following what to, we thought of what we thought of as a tradition, right? Like that yeah. was just passed down. Yes. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. Okay, maybe Chaturanga was passed down to us from uh, the world of Ashtanga Yoga. Right. But even if you were to do the full primary series, you wouldn't you probably wouldn't do as many Chaturangas. That's true. As you would in a contemporary That's true. Vinyasa class. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so we we've we've just sort of like literally like we always do. We take something and then we just like take it to a gratuitous level to the point where it it we just have a, a diminishing return. So mm-hmm. anyways, getting back to this, let's not do too many of the same things. And when you're in that threshold of stretch, someone isn't going to love you more including yourself. Because you get two more degrees of motion. Those last two degrees of motion are where you are at the greatest potential risk Mm -hmm. from a yoga-based injury, which is going to be the first thing that sets you way, way back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you're going to start to spend years just trying to undo the hypermobility that you fought so hard to produce in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I see it all the time. And that's, I think like this is a, this part of this conversation is easy for you and I to have, because I don't think either you or I get a lot of our identity or our sort of sense of place in this world from the physical postures that we can do. And we've been doing yoga for such a long time that we have the benefit of hindsight, mm-hmm. you know, but the first person that she's 50 or she just turned 50 or she started yoga when she was 50, she's been practicing for two years. I can see in that situation of sort of feeling like, oh man, I have flipped the hourglass. I don't have a lot of time and I want to I want to be able to do this stuff. So in some ways I can see a situation where there's risk there, you know, because 
that person doesn't have the benefit of the hindsight. Mm -hmm. They don't have the benefit of saying, oh man, more isn't actually necessarily better. More is starting to put me a little bit at risk. Yeah, it's good that she noticed. Totally. I mean, it's actually and the really most, amazing. And the most effective thing that you can actually do as a practitioner is practice in a way that you can practice again tomorrow. Right. And tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow. So you have to have the hindsight of seeing the long game. Yeah. You know, and that's a very difficult thing to do. It's why in all physical disciplines, including yoga, there's attrition because some people just aren't going to get that. Yeah. I just saw something, um, a fitness expression. I have literally no idea where I saw it, but it's totally apropos for this moment. It was slow gains are better than no gains. Right. You know, you have to actually acknowledge that it doesn't matter if you're moving slowly, like you're, you're moving, you're doing it. You're you're actually doing it. and, And this is what it is. Right. And it's, it's never not going to be this. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, whatever age you are, and for however many years or weeks or months you are into the practice, this is what it is going to be forever. Yeah. It's not going to be like, oh, now I've practiced for, you know, 50 years and I'm in this magical land of perfect balance. You're still on a daily basis going to be trying to sort things out. Yeah. I want to say one more thing because you mentioned, you know, that it's not necessarily a part of our identity, uh, the big poses. Not as much. I, I just want to say one thing, which is, I'm pretty sure that the, that the Kelly who wrote in, isn't that one of your students? Yeah. Okay. So knowing Kelly, I know that when she's talking about certain poses, she's probably talking about pretty advanced poses. And I just want to say this one thing, which is that I know what it's like to get really, really close to an advanced pose. Like for me, the example that comes to mind is Yogi Nidrasana, like both legs behind the head. I mean, there was always just this glimmer of the possibility of me being able to do that pose. Right. And unless I had really, really cranked myself into it, you know, it wasn't going to happen. Like those last two degrees. Yeah. I got 98% of the way to the pose. Those last two degrees couldn't get. And at a certain point, I had to say to myself, this is just not a pose. I was very identified. I was very identified because I I do kind of have a natural body for this discipline in certain ways. And so... I actually, I think for years was quite attached to like, if only I could get, uh, if only I could get X, if only I could get Y. And I think in a way, actually, um, just the process of aging has kind of helped me disidentify a little bit more because, man, there are just certain things that happen, like weight that appears in certain places, wrinkles that appear in certain places, like that you just can't, no I matter. I see those. <laughs> oh, come on. That is the sweetest thing you've I said that mostly for the audience. Oh my gosh, I know you did because you never say things oh, like Oh, come on. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, oh God, you just made me blush. Um. Anyway, there's just stuff that happens. I know that so many of you know this, but and it's hard, man. It is hard. I'm just, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But the silver lining of it is that you do, you can, if you sort of, contextualize things in a helpful way. You can disidentify, you can stop attaching all, you know, to these things that maybe are not helpful to you. Those last two degrees could actually be, you know, unhelpful to you. Agreed. I want to sort of go a slightly different complimentary way with the, with the answer. Cause one of the things she's sort of getting at is like, 
uh, what she's asking about is structural limitations. Okay. Structural limitations are not that difficult to identify. Okay. And what I want to sort of start with again, this is sort of difficult to do in this, in this, in this context, but essentially what you want to understand, like the, the pathway to understanding this is, um, the understanding of compression and tension within a joint. And you want to figure out is the, is the primary limiting factor, the, the compression on the side of the joints that you are moving towards, or is it tension on the side of the joints that you are moving away from, right? And so for an example, like, uh, let's say Yogi Nidrasana, okay? Like if I were to try to do Yogi Nidrasana, which would be hilarious. It would be hilarious, actually. Right? Actually, you know, the, the left, I can almost get my left leg behind my head. Wow. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's deep. Yeah. That's deep. Do you love me more now? I totally do. Wow. <laughs> all I want is, to, all I want is your care and affection. All I want is for you to say I don't have wrinkles again. <laughs> let's, let's pause this podcast. Okay. So let's say I'm trying to take, I'm on my back and I'm trying to take my left leg behind my head. Okay. Which is just absurd anyways. But if the primary restriction is on the front of the hip joint, if it's compression of the front of the hip, and that is the limiting factor, that is a structural constraint, and that is not going to change. If when I'm trying to take my leg behind my head, it's not the front of the hip that feels stuck and running into something, but it's stretch in the outer hip, it's stretch in the hamstring, it's stretch in my spinal muscles, then it's not a structural thing. That doesn't mean the leg is ever going to get behind my head. Right. Still doesn't mean it's a good idea. It doesn't mean it's a good idea. But in terms of just, she did ask about structure. Yes. Right. <laughs> so it's not actually that hard to figure out whether or not it is a, it is stuff running into stuff. Right. Or whether or not it is the limit of stuff stretching away from stuff. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like whether, I think what you're saying is whether it's a, a limitation in the structure of the joint yes. or a limitation in the soft tissue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And a limitation in the structure of the joint ain't changing. No. Uh-uh. Right. It's not changing. A limitation in the soft tissue is changeable to a degree. Yes. It's like all things. Everything is plastic and changeable to a degree. Right. Exactly what that degree is, you know, you you just need decades in this practice to figure it out. I know that I've said this to you on another podcast, but like I I know that I have hit my maximum range of motion everywhere in my body. I know that I have. And the reason that I know that I have is because I'm almost 44. I've been doing this practice for 23 years now, okay? So if I don't now, after 23 years and in my mid-40s, if I'm not able to get my leg behind my head now, after 23 years of trying, it ain't happening. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? There's just, there's no reason to think that, um, that the, that after two decades of consistent practice, now that I'm much older than I used to be, that I'm going to get increased gains and in reins of motion. But the fortunate thing is 
I don't need them. Right. I don't want them. Right, right. right. They're, it's just totally uninteresting to me. What was interesting is we sort of think about this. I think sometimes all I want to do is to know that I have done the best that I could do with what I have. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if I wanted to start playing basketball and become really good at basketball, I can't expect myself to be as good as, as a professional basketball player. You know what I mean? Like that is a ridiculous thing. All I can do is say, I really like this thing. I want to practice it. I want to do as well as I can with what I have. You know, and so it's it's the same thing. I actually feel so liberated in my practice because I'm not chasing anything down mm -hmm. because I know that that from a raw physical perspective that I have maximized everything that I can maximize and I'm and I'm happy with what's there. Yeah. You know, and I'm not happy with what's there because I can because I can do extreme things. I'm happy with what's there because I feel like I've done the inquiry to really understand who I am and and what I'm working with. And and so long as I optimize that, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Well, there you go. You had more answers to these questions than you thought you did. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome. I've got two more summer series episodes for you with guests. I'm really excited about them. If you would like for me to do another summer series episode with Jason, I can do a bonus episode and you can submit questions that came up for you during the summer series. You can submit those to support at jasonyoga.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, enjoy your practice. Sweat